Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. ready for the word this morning. Amen. I, I, I promise I, I, uh, I trimmed the sermon just a little bit to give room for this. All right. So you're like, oh man, he's still going to preach for an hour. All right. Let's, uh, let's stand this morning. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter five, <laughs> chapter five, uh, verses 23 through 32. Um, God gave me this word a few months back. And I knew that I needed to save it for this day because, you know, we're in a love season, Valentine's Day, marriage conference, all that good stuff. And so I knew that this word would be appropriate for today. So are you ready? Amen. Amen. It says this. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands. <laughs> I was waiting for the amen from the... From the <laughs> Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, my God, that you have put on my heart, my God. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would be on my lips this morning, Father God. And I pray, Father God, that if this word offends anybody, Father God, that, that, that we, we, we soften our hearts, my God, and we realize, Father God, that this is your word, Father God. If your word offends us, your word is not the problem. We are the problem, Father God. And I pray that you would speak to your people this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Woo, we ready? Oh, man, I'm ready. All right. Um, the title of my message this morning is, uh, the, the title itself is going to sound offensive. <laughs> it's No, it's called Know Your Role. It's, uh, <laughs> Know Your Role. After the greatest wrestler of all time, The Rock, he said this, he said, Know Your Role and Shut Your Mouth. We're going to leave that la- last part out. Um. Uh, but know your role. I, I realized just yesterday that this is the second sermon I name after a saying of the rock. So he's had a, a huge impact on my ministry. <laughs> um, but know, know your role. I want to talk about the role of the man and the woman and how that looks in society and how that looks in the family, how that looks in marriage. Um, and so if, if you're not married this morning, this message is, is still for you. I, I would say that it's even more for you. Uh, than someone who is already married, right? If if you're not yet married, you have the advantage of starting right, right? 
um, a lot of marriages don't start right. And so we have to backtrack and we have to do some repairing. Uh, but if you're not married yet, you get to take this word to, to heart and you begin to make uh, moves towards this role so that when God sends that special a woman or man to your life, you are ready to be the man or woman that God has called you to be for your spouse. So I'm going to talk, uh, I'm talking a lot about marriages, but, but don't walk out if you're not married. And, and even if you say, you know what, uh, marriage is not in the cards for me. Maybe the Lord has called you to be like the apostle Paul. You still have a role. You still have a role as a man, um, and as a woman. So please give attention to this word. Um, before, before we even talk about marriage, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about the man and the woman as individuals, because if we don't know our our role as man or woman, then we're not going to have any idea how to integrate that into a godly marriage. And even though the Bible says in Genesis that uh, the, the, the woman was taken from the man and they were one flesh, Adam is not Eve and Eve is not Adam. They're distinct. God made man in his own image. And so if you think about the Trinity, the Godhead, there is three in one. You have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so in the same way, you have the man and the woman that makes up humanity, but they are still distinct. The man by himself does not make humanity. The woman by herself does not make humanity. The essence of humanity requires both the man and the woman, but each one is distinct. Just like in the Trinity, the Father is not the Son. The son is not the father. The Holy Spirit is not the son. They are distinct. They serve a distinct purpose in the Godhead. And in the same way, you as an individual man or an individual woman, you serve a distinct role to play in God's creation of humanity. And I know that in our day and age, the definition of these terms has become under attack. And, and um, it, it's been trying to be redefined. Man is trying to be redefined. Woman is trying to be redefined. And people celebrate it. And they curse you if you don't celebrate it. They call you names if you don't celebrate it. They call you bigots if you don't celebrate when somebody comes out as a transgender or non-binary or gender fluid or man today, woman tomorrow. They, they want everybody to celebrate it. It's so ingrained in our culture. Just look at the Grammys. It's so ingrained in our culture and people are cheering for this stuff. And it's, it's an utter mockery, man, to, to the image of God, to, to, uh, to the design of God. And I don't, I don't think I need to preach this message to you. I, I think everybody here can agree on that. But I, but I do want to say this, because when we try to define what a man is or what a woman is, we still use a worldly definition. In world history, in, in, in the culture of the world, man has historically been defined as a symbol of strength, um, leadership, and provision. A woman, historically in world culture, has been a symbol of love, nurture, and care. Amen? But can I tell you that even those definitions don't go far enough in the design of God? That, that is still... A worldly definition, but it's the one that most Christians still use. So if you're a single woman and you use this definition, you're saying, I just, I need a man to love me and to take care of me 
and provide for me and my family and be our strength. If you're a single man, you're saying, I need a woman to, to, to love me and support me and give me beautiful children. She needs to be beautiful herself. And if she can cook, that's a plus. Those are, those are great. It's, it's a good starting point. But we are still using cultural standards of what we expect in a marriage. You know, when I've asked people, single people, what they look for in a spouse, every time they talk about personality traits, they talk about characteristic traits, and they talk about appearance. I want him uh, to be, I want him to be chill because I'm not chill. And if, if we're both not chill, it's going to be a mess. Right? Right, babe? Right? <laughs> I, I, he needs... <laughs> He needs to be patient, right? He needs, he, needs to, he needs to be a go-getter. He needs to be an introvert. He needs to be an extrovert, what, whatever it is. He needs to be, he needs to be handsome. He's got he's to be tall, white-complected, and bald, right? <laughs> we, talk about, we talk about personality, we talk about characteristic, and we talk about appearance, and then we throw in, and he has to love the Lord. He's got to love the Lord. But can I suggest that, that, that we need to tighten up your standards a little bit? Can I, can I tell you that, that if my wife just loved the Lord, it wouldn't be enough? You say, how wouldn't that not be enough? If, my, if I just was saying, look, I just want my wife to love the Lord, that wouldn't be enough. My wife needs to help me love the Lord. My wife needs to help me serve the Lord. She needs to be my strength. I need to be her strength. Because sometimes men are weak, even though that's not the cultural standard. Sometimes we are. And in those moments, I need my wife to help me be strong. I need my wife to pray for me. I need her to speak life into me. I need her to help me love the Lord. What good does it do in a marriage if, if each party just keeps Jesus to themselves. I need to help her love Jesus. She needs to help me love Jesus. Man, what good does it do if you're a great provider, but you haven't provided spiritually? Man of God, come on, where are you at? What good is it if you are the breadwinner and you make all the money, but you haven't provided spiritually? What good is it if you are the manliest man and no one ever thinks to mess with you and if they don't even want to look at you because they don't want to look at you the wrong way and you can outlift anybody at the gym, but when a spiritual attack comes your way, you run away like a chump. And when your wife, listen, and when your wife needs you to step up for her and pray for her and cast out and rebuke, she's left all by herself to do it. That's what we find a lot in Christian churches. That's what we find. And as a man, I need a helpmate. I need a helpmate. My wife is beautiful, but I don't need her just to be beautiful. I need her to help me. A few, weeks, uh, a few years ago, I preached a message on this called, called The Help. Um, and we went all the way back to Genesis where God created everything. And he called it good, right? God created the day. He called it good. He, called the, uh, he made the light. He called the, uh, the air, land, and sea, the stars, the sun, the moon, all that stuff. He called everything good. And then he makes the man. <laughs> and he's like, wait, some ain't right here. 
something is not good. For the very first time in his perfect creation, this was before the fall of man, he looks at the man and he says, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good. And so God looked at Adam and he made Adam a helper. Now, some women think I ain't no helper. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. I know I make more than he does. I do more than he does. I'm the one who gets the kids dressed all the time. He he does not. He just sits on the couch. He needs to be my helper. I'm doing all the work. This look, this this word is so timely today in this in this feminist movement, because they they see the they see the Bible as something that sees women as inferior. I ain't no helper. And but that's not the case at all. Right. Because the Bible in the Hebrew, the word for helper is Azer. Right. I, I, if I'm being repetitive. I, I said this last time. But but uh, the Azer. Um, is not just referred to the woman. It's also referred to as to, to God. God is called the helper. God is called our strength and our refuge, right? And so the man and the woman are to help each other. The Holy Spirit is also called what? The helper. It has nothing to do with inferiority. God gave Adam a command to work the field but man couldn't do it all, all, all on his own. And so God sends help in the form of a woman. So the woman, therefore, is to help the man serve the Lord. Amen. Women, that's your role. You help your man serve the Lord. Don't keep him to yourself. Share some Jesus. You are one flesh. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go to church. Do you want to come to church with me? Can we pray together? Help him serve the Lord. The man is to help the woman serve the Lord. Look, I know this is an ongoing joke in the church, but Eve failed Adam by not helping him obey the Lord. She failed him. It doesn't stop there. Adam failed Eve by not helping his wife get back on track. He should have said, girl, remember what God said. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be eating of this tree. Put that back. Put it back. He should have said, he should have said, we're not disobeying God. Not in my house. They failed each other in that moment. Serve the Lord. Adam probably loved the Lord. Eve probably loved her creator, but they failed to help each other honor the Lord together. And this is why it's not enough for you just to hope, oh, I hope he loves God. No, he needs to help you love God. Because what's going to happen when you're having, listen, what's going to happen when you are having a weak moment and your husband is not there to help you be stronger in that moment? Because, you know, even though, even though we love God, we fail God sometimes. And so I could be having a really, really bad day and want to just be disobedient to the Lord. I need my woman to help me by saying, no, we're not doing that. You're not doing that. Come back down. Job's wife was not a good helper. She was helping him give up, rebel, curse God and die. Job, 
She needed to say, Job, I know it's pretty bad right now. I know everything is gone. I know our kids are gone. But God is still faithful. God is still, even though we don't see it right now, God is still faithful. That would have been her helping her husband. This is why you need to know your role as a man or woman God designed you to be so that you know exactly what you need to be waiting for. Don't don't take less than what God has designed for you if you're living out the design that God has intended for you. Ladies, God didn't just intend for you to have a strong man. Men, God didn't just intend for you to have a a beautiful woman to love you and, and take care of your family. He intended for you to give him glory with your manhood. He intended for you to give him glory with your womanhood so that by the time you become one flesh, you are living out the design that God has intended for marriage. You both have to honor God together so that when you are one flesh, you have one unit honoring God. Do you, do you, do you realize that, that the world didn't become a fallen state when Eve sinned, Right? It was still good. What happened? It became a fallen state when they both sinned together. When the one flesh sinned together, that's when sin entered the world. Adam could have been like, girl, put that back before God sees. But he didn't. He didn't. But because the thing that was designed to be one sinned in unity, sin was introduced to the whole world. This is why I said earlier, uh, a a marriage either wins together or loses together. There's no in between. The wife can't win and the husband loses. If if that's the way you're navigating your your household, you got to rethink things. If if you're trying to argue all the time just to win an argument, you're, you're both losing. Get you a man, get you a woman who will help you win in your faith. Still with me? Amen. That was for the single people. Um, I'm going to get the married couples now. Let's go back to the main verse here. A marriage that honors God. Listen. A marriage that honors God is one where the wife submits to her husband and where the husband loves his wife. That statement alone in the 21st century is cringy. I have, I have no problem saying it like at Christian weddings, right? Because we all agree. But I do a lot of weddings, and a lot of times I do unchristian weddings. <laughs> and I'm like, should I throw this verse in there? <laughs> because I just know there's going to be somebody in, in, in the crowd thinking like, Mm-mm, this guy is old-fashioned. Who invited him, right? It's, 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 it's cringy to the world in 21st century to say that, that the wife... It's to honor the husband by submitting to him. But it's literally what the Bible says. And a lot of times we try to justify, or it was, well, it's, it's because, you know, he, uh, Paul was speaking culturally. It was, a, it was a culture at that time. And it's true, there's some times where, where the Bible speaks um, culturally and, and it doesn't necessarily apply to us in the same way that it applies to the first readers. But then there's other times where the command transcends all cultures in time. And I'm sorry to say, but this is one of those. You could have lived during Adam and Eve. You could live 100 years from now. Why? Because God's design does not get redesigned by man. If he designed it that way from the beginning, 
That's it. There's no marriage 2.0. There's just marriage the way that God intended for it. And so the command to the woman is, wife, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. The as to indicates obedience, right? Submit to your husbands in obedience to Christ. Because this is, this is the order of creation. We're going to get a little theological here. I want, you to, I want you to stay with me, okay? You're with me, right? Okay. Verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. I want to talk about what that means real quick. What does it mean for the husband to be the head of the wife? What does it mean? Give me some answers. He leads. He's the head of the wife. Okay. So I I think that this verse is very, very often um, misinterpreted and is often abused. Very, very much abused. And 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 that kind of machismo kind of mentality. You better submit, woman. Right. That's that's an abuse of God's word. When when we think about the phrase, the husband is the head of the wife. We only think that it has to do with authority. And, And and the context might suggest some of that, but that's not all it means. See, in English, the word head has different connotations. Right. So, you know, the, the man is the head of the woman. You might be the head of your department at work. You might be the head of an operation. Uh, pastors are heads of local churches, right? When we think head in this way, we're not thinking the literal head. Why would I think the literal head? But if you actually, if you read it in Spanish, it says cabeza, right? And I don't think cabeza has the same connotations as the word head does. And neither does the Greek word for head. There is no Greek word uh, for head that has the same connotations as authority. So in Greek, the word head literally means head. So the man is called the literal head of the wife. How is that? How, how, how are we the literal head of the wife? We think it means head as in the one who's in charge, the one at the top. That's, that's, what the, that's, how it, that's how we interpret the word head, right? But in Greek, it's the literal body part of the head. So, so how is it that I am the head of my wife? Well, first of all, we need to say this, that if you go for the head, you take the life, right? You can get shot pretty much anywhere in your body and, and, and potentially survive. If you get shot in your head, that's it, bro. You're dead. And so... This whole section, Paul is talking about the order of design. And this, this isn't the only place where he talks about it, right? He also says in 1 Corinthians 11.3, this is really important, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. This has nothing to do with superiority. It has to do with order. The, the father isn't better than the son. The son isn't better than the Holy Spirit, yet Christ submits to the Father and the Spirit submits to Christ. It has to do with order. God is a God of order. And so if we go back to the very start of creation, the man, who did the man come from? God. It was God who breathed in the nostrils of man to give him life. It's only through God that Adam had life. God is the head. He is the life source of man. From the man came the woman, right? 
if it wasn't for God taking the woman uh, um, and, and, or taking the man and, and making the woman, the woman would have no life. Right. And then Ephesians uh, six, Paul continues his whole conversation where he starts to talk about children. He says, children, be obedient to your parents. This follows the order of, cre- uh, of creation. If not for parents, children would have no life. So the role of the man to his woman is to bring life to his woman who who would then right? who would then with the man bring life to their children. It's order. It's order. But the man only has life. We're talking spiritually now when he is submissive to Christ, who is the head of the church, only made possible because God, the father sent the son so that who would ever be under his submission would have life eternal. It's not about authority. It's about order that provides life to the world. So when you think about it this way, it's no wonder that so many families in our world are dying because the man hasn't stepped up to give life to his family. He hasn't given life to his woman. And so many times the woman is having to bypass the man and go directly to the source of life and then turn around and give it to her children. And meanwhile, the man is nowhere to be found as the helpmate. Women of God, women of God in the room who don't have their husbands here. And I know there's many of you and I commend you and my heart goes out for you. But don't give up. Don't give up. Keep keep being that rock. But believe that one day he will also be a rock in your family and you will stand on the same rock that is Christ. Because right now it's just you and you're standing on that solid foundation and your man is over here somewhere. One day he's going to get there. But you can't you can't step off of it. You can't step off of it. Historically, women in the church have done so much more than the men. We're, we're, we're too, men are just, we're, we're too, I don't know what we are, too something. <laughs> too independent, we don't, we don't, we're too prideful. Sometimes we think that, that, that submitting to Christ is a sign of weakness, it's a, we don't want to be emotional. And so the woman does all of this. And the woman carries all of this weight. And, and, and we think that we're still carrying our weight. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm providing I'm doing my part. In a marriage, in a marriage, you don't have two separate weights. You're one flesh. You're carrying the same burden. And so many times the wife is doing the work that the man should be doing. <clears throat> man of God, <clears throat> you are the head of your woman, which means you bring life to her. You speak life to her. You lift her up. You take out the head. It is very, very hard for the family to survive. It's not impossible because you got some women of God who are strong in their faith. But, but if you haven't given life to your woman, man, it, it, it is time. It is time. It is time. It is time for your children to see daddy as a prayer warrior. To see daddy as a man of faith. To see daddy in the church. I feel like this is a Father's Day sermon. I'm getting after the men. <laughs> I'm going to get the, the, the wives. Okay. Yep. Okay. One thing. Listen. One thing that is very common. 
to find in Christianity among believing wives is not being submissive to their non-believing husband. I'll start submitting when he comes to church, pastor. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible doesn't say if your husband is not a Christian, run away. Right? That's not what it says. It says that the non-believing husband is made sanctified through the believing wife. And can I tell some of you women, he can't be sanctified if you're an angel when you come to church, but you're a devil at home. There, there will be, look, there will be, I'm having fun with this sermon. <laughs> there will be times, there will be some extreme cases. Listen, because I, I, I want to I try to cover everything. There will be extreme cases where your husband, your non-believing husband is leading you straight to hell. And you might have to get out because you ain't going to hell for nobody. I'm going to hell for my husband. But most of the times it's not like that. Most of the time you have, you have a husband who's okay with you going to church. Praise God for that. That's, that's, that's a little victory. That's a little victory. He could say, I don't want you going to church. He said, don't, he could, he could say, I don't want you taking my kids to church. I don't want you filling their minds with all of this uh, holy roller stuff. I don't want that. Give, give God praise for a husband that allows you to take your, your, your family to church. That's a victory right there. That's a victory. <clears throat> don't, don't be disrespecting your husband just because he's not a believer. Don't, don't be looking at men of God thinking, man, I, I just wish my husband was like him. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't compare your non-believing spouse to a man of God because the man of God is not yours. The non-believing husband, he's not scraps. He's just under construction. And one day he can become a man of God if you remain a woman of God. Don't be going to the church eyeing, eyeing prophets and preachers and pastors and I'm the man of God. No, 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 no. You may be the closest thing that your husband has to Jesus. And you're going to get home after church on a Sunday and you're not going to show him joy. You're not going to show him mercy. You're not going to show him some respect. You're not going to show him love. And you expect him to follow you into church next Sunday? <clears throat> the way that you honor God as a woman in your marriage is by honoring the man. And I know that that's hard because God is perfect. Man is not. Sister, your man is far from perfect. And you know it. You know he's not perfect. He is going to annoy you. He is not going to listen to you. He's not always going to give you the attention you want. I'll tell you right now for him, he doesn't want to rub your back. He will disappoint you. He will make you upset. You're going to wake up one day and, and you're not going to be able to stand the side of him. But he is your man that you made a covenant with for better, for worse. And by honoring him, you are honoring God. Amen. Men. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives. Love them. Love them. Love them the way that they want to be loved. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present to the church 
to himself in splendor, without spot, without wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own. Same goes for us. Sometimes we think, well, I'm going to start loving my wife like Christ loved the church when she starts respecting me. Pastor, you don't hear how she talks to me. You're, I mean, your wife ain't perfect either. And I mean, we, we, we get into these marriages expecting perfection. Ex- expecting a Disney movie, you know. <laughs> I, I heard a message from, from Robert Madu talking about Disney. He was like, man, the Disney movie always ends happy. He's like, I want to see what happens afterwards. I want, I want to see what happens the first year in a marriage. I want, I want to see what happens when, when the princess and the prince can't pay their bills, right? Because they, they have a, a spending problem. I want to see that, right? We expect a fairy tale. Women, you might expect a, a fairy tale. You expect your man just to love you all the time and be, mm. That ain't it. And so men, our wives are not going to be perfect. I don't care how pretty she is. She's not going to be perfect. Only my wife is perfect. Only her. Your wife is not perfect. And so I want, I want to tell all the men, all the married men in the room and all the single men in the room, you're not alone. You're not alone. Because sometimes you think, why is my wife this way? Why is my wife, why is my wife giving me all this trouble? Do other men have it like this? Let me tell you, your wife is going to be emotional. Your wife is going to blow things out of proportion. Your, your wife, except for mine, will wake up will wake up with bad breath, okay? Right? She is, she is not going, she, she's going to go through seasons where she doesn't look the way that she looked when you first laid eyes on her, but she is your woman. You made a covenant with her in the sight of God. You need to give her life. And the way that you give her life is by loving her the way Christ loved the church. Hmm. God, what does the word say? God so loved the world that he gave himself. He gave life. God loved the world so much that he gave life. Jesus didn't wait for the church to love him before he gave himself up. He loved us first and then he gave himself first. And even still, we don't always love him. Even still, we don't, we don't honor him. Love is not about giving when they give. It's about giving even when they don't. That's what love is. Jesus gave us so much love before we gave him a thing. And so many times we still don't give him anything. And that is the way that we are supposed to love our spouses. Is, is it hard? Is it hard to love when they don't love? Absolutely. Absolutely. But when your wife is having a moment, men of God, I'm talking real quick to you. When your wife is having a moment, and she may have many of these moments and, and you're waiting, you're waiting to love her until she gives you what you want. That's not the way that it's supposed to work. Love her even when it's hard to love. Wives, if, if you're waiting for your husband to honor him when he becomes honorable, that's not the way that it works. Honor him even when it's hard to give him honor. Stop disrespecting him in, in, in private and especially in public. 
This isn't my place to, to address when I see it, but since I'm preaching, there's, there's really no boundaries here. So I'll, I'll say it here, but I, I've, I've heard some wives completely disrespect their husbands in public, man, and their husbands just take it. Women, stop, stop doing that. Your husband is not your dog. I've also, I've also seen men totally disinterested in their wives. I know we're visual, men. We're, we're visual creatures. But your wife isn't always going to be super fly. She's not, she's not always going. She, you're not always going to love what she did to her hair. You're not always going to love the makeup. You're not always going to love the nails. I mean, you know, she's not always going to have those, those eyelashes that men just, we love those eyelashes, right? <laughs> Women, y'all could give that one up. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't know if some of y'all women are clapping with your hands or with your eyes. <laughs> your woman is not always going to look 100, but she still deserves 100% of your love. <clears throat> I'm wrapping up. I'm going to have the worship team come. <laughs> Look, I want to I get, get to what, what the marriage is called to look like. The model of marriage is called to reflect the model of Christ and the church. That's what the comparison is. Notice that, that in the Christ church relationship, Jesus gave all of himself to an imperfect church. Everything laid it all out on the line, gave his life to an imperfect church. And that is the way that we reflect Christ in our marriage. Jesus loves us. Jesus loved the church despite its flaws. Even though we are disobedient sometimes, even though we are selfish sometimes, even though we fail to reciprocate love, even though we are sometimes emotionally incoherent I know men, we, we have this thing where, where we tell our wives, why are you being so emotional? But in the same way, we run to Jesus like, Do you, why are you letting me go through this? We are the same way. And yet, he loves us. He loves us with everything. And he never fails to love us. Our spouse is imperfect. I am imperfect. My wife is imperfect. We're all imperfect. But by giving them all that we have to give, we are helping each other in holiness. We are helping them by encouraging them in the word. We are giving life to them. We are doing for our spouse what Jesus has done for so many of us. That's what the marriage is called to look like. Men, know your role. And women, know your role. And be the design that God has called you to be. I'll close with this. It's no secret, guys. I know we had a lot of laughs this morning, but it's no secret that, that the world is becoming more and more anti-God. More and more. And the more it becomes anti-God, it becomes anti-marriage. Anti-God's design. And that, that is the place where we are coming to. The, the nuclear family is being attacked. There's, 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 society no longer sees the importance of a, of a man 
We don't, you don't need no man. Women, unless God has called you to be single, you need a man. You need a godly man. You need a man who will help you. You, will, you need a man who will pray for you and over you. You need a man who will lay his hands on you in a, to pray. You, you need a man who will fight for you spiritually. You need a man who is present. Man of God, you need a woman. You need a woman of God. You need a woman of God to be vulnerable with because you don't like to be vulnerable with other men. You need a woman who will hear your heart. You need a woman who will speak life into you. You need a woman who will say, babe, we're going to church today. You need a woman who is going to help you have faith, more faith. Who's going to encourage you and speak life and tell you when, 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 you're, being, when you're being stupid. I need my woman. I need her. I need her. I need her. And she, she needs me. That is the design. That is the God design. And maybe you're not married yet. And you're still waiting. Work on who God has called you to be. And I 100% he is going to send you what you deserve. Stop looking in the wrong places. Stop looking on the wrong places. Stop taking what you can get. Don't settle because if you are living in the design that God has made for you, you deserve someone who is going to compliment that one flesh. We need the church to be rooted. Men of God, we need men to be rooted in their manhood. Women of God, we need women to be rooted in their womanhood. Honor your husband. Respect your husband. Husband, be the life to your wife. Don't let her die. Don't let her bleed out when she is spiritually depleted and you are nowhere to be found. Give her life like God gave you. A godly society crumbles when families I want you to get that I just I want to leave it there societies crumble when families stop being what God designed them to be where there is a godly family there is strength there is strength in here strength to influence this world that is so anti-God, anti-man, anti-woman, anti-gender. Be rooted in the Lord. Be one flesh serving the Lord with everything that you have, with your woman, with your, with your husband. And that's how you stand this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father God. I'm going to do a, a, a quick call to the altars. I want, I want men, men of God, if you have your wife here, I want you to bring her forward. 
If your kids are here, that's great. But this, uh, this is for, for, for couples. You can leave your kids for a second. If you're single, I want you to come up here too. I want you to come up here too. I want you to say, Lord, search me. Search me before I go searching for anybody else. Search me and discover what I need to change to be the woman, to be the man that you have called me to be. Woman of God, single woman of God, single man of God, put God first. Marriage, marriages, put God first. worship team is going to sing man of God I just I want you to pray over your over your wife women I want you to pray over your husband if you're single I want you just to pray over the future over the future person that God is sending you come on right now we, we need men of God we need women of God to lift up their voices right now Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.